But do you think the average man thinks nearly as much about how the patriarchy affects their lives as those who Absolutely mother not. in American culture do? I mean, sure. I think that the modern man um, probably thinks about it more than their fathers did. Um, but I still don't think that it's nearly at the forefront of their mind like it is ours. Ready? Season two. I'm very excited. Thanks. All righty. Well, let's talk about our peaches and pits. Why don't you go first? So my pits is that our fall activity schedule um, quickly fell into shambles with no control. I had everything lined up perfectly, so we were only at activities two days a week. It was going to be great and lovely. And then a bunch of stuff had to get moved around because of other conflicts and no longer offering a certain class. And so now we have activities every single day of the week, which it's only going to be until the end of October. That, I mean, that's not awful. That's it's not awful. Not awful. If it makes you feel better, yesterday Hudson... Um, sprung on me that he really wanted to be doing fall baseball. Oh. So we might be adding that into the mix. Love that for you. Yes, yes. So what's your peach? My peach is yesterday for a full eight hours. Every single linen in my home was clean other than <laughs> what we were wearing. <laughs> that literally that amazing happens. So that was like just, I mean, I just like soaked in those couple of hours and right. it was great. It's a whole day. It's a whole business day. It really is. For a family of six, it's insane to. Yeah. We never have yeah. everything. No. Like unfolded. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. What about Amazing. you? Um, I will say that my peaches, we got new windows put in on our main floor today. Um which, you know, I'm not looking forward to paying for. <laughs> yeah. Getting them done on the backside of the house, that is like the last step to getting our sunroom done and structurally usable. So very pumped about that. It's been three years in the making. Um, and my pit today is all of the massive technology problems I had just to like get here and hit record. And I just got kicked out and and got hopped back in, but my mic's not plugged in because it's, I had to move to my laptop. So shit like that annoys me. Yay. But I'm going to let it go. You're going to let it go. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) So you have. Oh, the Spitfire. The Spitfire. (laughs) So the other day, Tuesday, you know, I picked Caroline up to take her to volleyball and I, we're pulling up to the stoplight to turn left into the Y and Caroline goes, why did you take the wrong way to get here? And (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, I forget that your guys's street, like I could just take all the way through over, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess. Yeah. I always forget that. So I guess I kind of took I took the long way. It probably added like an extra minute. The scenic route. Yes. 
And Nora goes, yeah, my mom doesn't know how to drive. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, well, your taxi ride ends here, ladies. Why don't you go ahead and let yourself out? And um, I hope you enjoy your nice walk home straight yeah. down the street. <laughs> the right way. The right way. <laughs> You're out of control. <laughs> so what is your partner praise? Um, so last week was Nebraska volleyball day in Nebraska. So for those out of state listeners, we beat several records, NCAA, national and world record, um, because the Husker volleyball team played at Memorial stadium, their football team or their football stadium. It was amazing and so wonderful. And it just made me want to shout go women. Um, but that's beside the point. So we had tickets for the whole family, um, Everything quickly devolved. Um, and so Jesse sacrificed himself essentially yeah. to stay home with those that didn't work. And so then me, Charlotte, and then a set of friends were able to go. And so that was really, really kind of him. And he said that, yeah, both of us wanted to go, but like it would mean more for you to be there to Charlotte than for me to go. And I was like, oh, you're so sweet. That is very sweet. I like that. Way to yeah. go. Way to go, Jess. Way to go. High five. Um, I will say my partner praise is that we, as you can see, I'm in a new setting and um, we swapped living rooms. So now I have like a dedicated office room, which was Eric's idea. Um, So part one, yay for that. And then um, our our new living room where my office formerly was didn't have any ceiling lights. Our house was built in the seventies and they apparently didn't think that like ceiling lighting was important. And um, so he has been diligently working to put in um, lights and fans and everything to make that like a usable room on the regs. So it's obviously saving us a ton of money because hiring somebody to come and do that for us would cost a lot. And so I appreciate right. it. He's handy and he's taking it on. And because our house is old, there's always problem solving. Yeah. So. For sure. Go, Eric. Go, Eric. Better you than me. I would not trust right. myself to do any electrical work in our Thank house. You. <laughs> yeah. All righty. So today we are talking the patriarchy. <laughs> I'm so excited about this episode. I this know. Is, so actually, this was an episode that we thought about, we had on our list to do last year or last season, last year. God. Last year. <laughs> the summer feels so far away already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it just felt like we it needed more like space and research and thought behind like how we put it together so it got bumped to season 2 and so i'm really excited for us to like dive into this today and i will say this this is the disclaimer for it this is not like a fuck the patriarchy white straight men suck episode <laughs> no not at <laughs> no. all Not at all. It's supposed to be an acknowledgement and a discussion of the facts. And the facts are that, I mean, really, the patriarchy 
exist. And by nature, it oppresses women and people of color and it needs to be radically reformed. Yes. Or just made into something new altogether. Right. And the way that I think about it and I look at it because I know this topic gets really politically charged for people in today's climate is that really, and I have thought this like for a very long time, that society and institutions are really like, they're made to evolve as we learn. And I think we have learned enough about the patriarchy that makes it clear that a lot about it needs to change. So to to be fair as well, I think outside of the economics of the patriarchy that men obviously benefit from the most, I would say that it doesn't actually serve white men or men at all that well either. I think it's actually a huge disadvantage for them, which, you know, we dive into, yes. but I am, I am excited for this episode and to finally be putting it together. So yay. Yay. All right. A quick like history lesson here. So what exactly is the patriarchy? And I think as as I was kind of researching, it felt really important to define this because it sort of seems like um, this like enigma, right? Like we talk about it all the time and people like say it, but it's kind of like, what is it exactly? Um, so to be like very clear, and this is an oversimplification, but it's the idea that men have more power and dominance and privilege than women. And they hold positions of power and women are less valued. Therefore, they end up oppressed. And the idea of the patriarchy and this the social structure really infiltrate our daily life. So these the examples of this kind of range from like pretty benign, like a woman taking a man's name at marriage and their children then getting that surname passed on to them versus the woman's against something like men holding most of the executive positions in companies and in the government. So then they make decisions based on their worldview, which is generally to the detriment of women and minorities. So obviously there are some parts of the patriarchy that we take bigger issues with than others. Um, But also in general, the rationale or the values like rational thinking are prioritized over emotions. It's primarily white and heterosexual, heterosexual. I don't know why I said that like that. And as such, behaviors for both men and women are policed based on the social construct of those ideas and those values. And so that's kind of how it all how it all comes together. So what does this have to do with the mental load? Um, the patriarchy obviously built and maintains the systems that we have today in our society. And those, as we are all well aware of, and it has been really revealed as we've talked about in the past through the cracks in COVID and things like that, it's really coming to light. It doesn't support women and it doesn't support families in general. And it also steers men's behavior in a way that doesn't support modern family life. 
it really leads to deeply unsatisfied relationships on both sides of the equations, but for very different reasons. And so it really kind of lays the foundation, I think, for, for the mental load. So we'll kind of discuss later on why we think the patriarchy doesn't actually serve men very well. Um, but in society, generally, you see it, you see the patriarchy at work when you see um, the hierarchy of power that puts white men at the top and everybody else kind of underneath that. So um, I, sorry, I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> so I'm trying to. Hold <laughs> on one second. Let me get my let me get my reading glasses out. Gosh, oh, nothing has made me feel older tonight than that moment. Than that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think this is something that you know as as women who like feel the effects every day, we, we think about on a regular basis, but do you think the average man thinks nearly as much about how the patriarchy affects their lives as those who absolutely mother in American culture do? I mean, sure. I think that the modern man um, probably thinks about it more than their fathers did. Um, but I still don't think that it's nearly at the forefront of their mind like it is ours. Because they don't, have, I mean, they benefit through all of their patriarchic, yeah. patriarch, I'm going to get through this, through, they've reaped all the benefits, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and we were oppressed and you're, I mean, even science yeah. says you're more likely to remember negative than positive. So, <laughs> It's proven. <laughs> it's scientifically proven. <laughs> yeah. I I would agree. I don't think and so at the at the end of this conversation, the question that I'm excited to I'm gonna put it out now and I wanna circle back to it at the end is you know, as we kind of discuss the patriarchy, its effects, and we essentially make the case for why it's not serving anyone well, but especially families. Do you think it is something because at the end of the day, it's the ace in the hole for men, right? So is it something that they are, as a society, are we ever going to collectively try to change it and reform it and build something new. Do you, do we ever see, so after this whole conversation, that's, that's my question at the end is, do we ever see a day when collectively men are like, I'm cool if I give up this ace in my pocket to make a better society for everyone? Because it exists other, other, other places in the world you see, you know, um, you see it, especially like in the Nordic countries where they, you know, kind of at the same time in history, um, our countries sort of reached the same cultural turning point. And we, you know, we went left and made policy that hurt women and families and they went right and really made it um, culturally ingrained and right. 
legislated for families. And you, you see the difference in the the cultures and the happiness and, um, you know, just kind of the overall health and wellness of families and relationships and, and everyone right. in I mean, them. So it's a, an example that it can and does work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I won't answer yet. I, so fascinating. That's what, that's what we're going to get to yeah. by the end of the episode. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we won't, maybe right. we won't end up answering it. It'll be our own opinion anyway. So, <laughs> so I, I felt like also too, we couldn't really like discuss the patriarchy without kind of discussing feminism and it's it's interesting. So, okay, so here's the definition of feminism that I found. And it says many forms of feminism characterize patriarchy as a present-day unjust social system that subordinates, discriminates, and oppresses women. Feminists often view patriarchal ideology as the root cause of gender inequality. And obviously, we've, you right. know, we've talked about gender inequality in the past and how it affects the mental load and families and the men and women in those relationships and households. But it was interesting because, you know, us being of a certain age, raised, <laughs> I don't want to say that, in that makes 30s. us sound old. <laughs> Having in our, those of us in our thirties, um, you know, like in the, in the nineties, and I, I would venture to say, even like in the two thousands, I feel like when I was in like high school and going into college, like feminism was such like a, you were like, Ooh, you're a feminist. Cause it was all like, right. Oh, you're like, right. it felt like women. It was almost yeah. like it was masculinized. Is that a word? I don't know. It was like, they made women who cared about women, men, in a bad way. Or, like, that was, like, the energy behind it was, like, mm-hmm. oh, you're a feminist. Like, you hate men. But it was this really masculine energy that, like, the stereotype repeated. It was – it's very strange. It's, it is very, it is very strange. And actually, as I was like typing this, cause I was like, oh my gosh, I mean, like by that definition, I would be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred percent a feminist. It's never right. something that like, uh, I super identified like one way or the other. I think naturally I, I, I am because obviously I care about a lot of the issues that the, like the feminist movement, but I was, as I was prepping the episode, I kind of caught myself being like, oh my gosh, that was like culturally ingrained in me. And like, even I was so scared to like type it out and be like, yeah, I mean, I, I would call myself a feminist because we were just taught that that yeah. was like such a, you like, right. you were crazy if you were a feminist. And, and then like, as I, so as I followed this like train of thought where I was like, oh my gosh, why does this like sort of have me taking pause and hesitating a moment. I was like, oh, we were just gaslit growing up. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's what it comes down to, to be like, like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to call myself that because that means I'm crazy and I'm emotional. And like, where else do you hear all that shit anyway? 
Right. That's the, that's the go-to trope for you know, women's reactions to things. Yeah. And so I was like, it was like a mind-blowing yeah. moment for me to be like, oh, <laughs> that's, wow. I don't know. It just felt like a, it's like a, it's a very, like, system. a little bit of pain right. as I went through that self-reflection. All right. So the mental, bring this back to kind of the mental load, patriarchy, feminism, and kind of bringing it all back. There are obviously things that the mental, like this contributes to in terms of the mental load, the burden of childcare, as we all know, that generally falls to the woman in the house to arrange, keep on track, Mm -hmm. (laughs) rearrange, things like that. Um, and, you know, obviously taking like appearing feminine by taking care of your children and like taking the reins on childcare is like a big no, no under the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. It shows up in the form of like sick days and, and drop off and doctor's appointments and, you know, like the, all of the invisible work that generally we're taking care of comes down to men being taught that those things make you less of a man and therefore, and I don't think, you know, I don't think going back to like the beginning of our conversation, I don't think my husband would be like, oh, if I take care of my kids, it makes me like less of a man. Um, But I think it's just kind of in those like nuanced, those nuanced behaviors where like, Again, he wasn't raised to think that his value was in like maintaining right. a well-run household. Whereas, yep. yeah, I mean, were. that's exactly it. It's, I mean, I don't think any, at least I would hope not, any guy is saying like, if I help rear my children, my like dick will shrink. But <laughs> I can assure you, anybody who out there doesn't believe that, it will not in fact shrink. That, we can't have shrinking dicks. Uh, that, that would be a disaster for us all. Yeah, it does. Like it's <laughs> acting feminine because we're taught that the women raise the children, and because women are feminine, then if they raise children, mm-hmm. it's it doesn't make sense. But it does make sense. Right, right. And that's that's exactly how I felt kind of as I was as I was looking through and I was like reading the articles and getting ready for this. I'm like, I get I to some degree I get it. Right. Which makes me feel a little bit insane. I don't I mean I don't agree with it. That's the that's the main distinction. I guess I can kind of follow your logic. However, yes. It absolutely. seems deeply flawed, you know. Because then we end up being, you know, the, mm-hmm. we're the default parent. We retain all the details around all of the stuff and the things. And um, being the default parent sucks you know, sometimes. It just it yeah. does. I mean, it sucks. It sucks all the time. I don't, I don't think um, I'm ever actually like super happy right. when I find myself feeling that that. Um, but even even something um, like contraception and 
you know, like it falls on us to find it, take it reliably <laughs> and, you know, yeah, right, you know, so we don't, we don't end up, you know, in a situation because we also don't have full bodily autonomy in most states in America anymore. And so, right. you know, it's just all, it's all of those things that, you know, you start to kind of like add them up and, and even that, um, you know, the idea of being like, oh, just even taking care of my own physical health, like that's obviously it's not something my husband can do for me. My husband can't right. like know how my body is feeling and book a doctor's appointment. I don't know. I feel like or I'll whatever. Um, <laughs> he's you know. like, my tummy hurts. And I'm like, you should see a GI doctor. <laughs> <laughs> that's because men suffer from man colds. And like this general, yes, what is it exactly? When we got back from vacation in Florida, Eric's foot was like, both feet were like swollen very badly. And he sat around for like three days before I was like, <laughs> that's not good. Like, that's not normal. No one else on our trip, and there were nine of us total because we went with another family. No, no one else came back with like super swollen feet that they can barely walk on. Like, I mean, that's what's keeping them from going to the doctor. Yeah, you should. They are some capable men. Right. Well, yes. They are strong. They are capable, and they never ask for help, even though they could have some like. Even even today, I mean, Eric went hunting over the weekend and I'm not going to pretend to know like a ton about it, but at any rate, the other last night and this morning, he was like, he has this weird like amoeba-y rash like all over, like on his legs, on his arms. And he's like, Oh, like this doesn't, this isn't normal. And it looks very angry. Like it's so, it's so bad. Um, and he was like, maybe I should go see a doctor because now that I think about it, I did fall in standing water, which is generally where like bacteria and like amoeba, you know, like right. things That's that can like truly make you very live. sick. Yes. And he's like, he maybe, but you know what he has not done? <laughs> made an appointment. I, I mean, think instead he he's actually has, just going well go in tomorrow. Go out strong. <laughs> God. <laughs> I can't, I can't. <laughs> Please. So transitioning just a little bit, but kind of like keeping in this idea of the paid, like the behaviors that like the patriarchy demands of men doesn't, doesn't set them up for success in the household. Right. Because they, they're taught like these harmful behaviors, like you know, you have to be strong and you're the provider and you don't ask for help and you're like, you are in control and all these things. And so then like the, the flip side of that is that like, you're not showing up in your house and 
helping clean. You don't know the details of like your child's medical history. So if you take them to the doctor and they're like, how many ear infections has your daughter had this summer? You're going to be like, let me call my wife. I don't know. Yeah, let me text her really quick. Like, he'll be like, is a that lot. three? Or and the is doctor that will be like, can you define that for me? Because it's a right, right. It's the difference between like, do we need to schedule another tube surgery or do we not? Um, you know, it also translates into like not emotionally supporting your wife and not emotionally supporting your children. And those things tend to. <laughs> feed off of each other in a very vicious cycle. And so what I thought was interesting is that millennial women cite the mental load as one of the main reasons that they get divorced, right? We showed up in marriages thinking that it was going to be an equal partnership. And we get like, (laughs) not that. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think of a split that might not be offensive, (laughs) but I can't, I don't know if I'm brave enough to say it. And so, you know, then, then we're like, well, fuck man. Like I may as well just do do most of this by myself anyway, I might as well just do it by myself. Then at least I don't have to worry about how you feel about it. And I can just make my own, make my own decisions. And so, do you think it's fair to say that the the gendered norms that the patriarchy instills in men actively holds them back from being productive in relationships? Or is that like I don't that think that too that's harsh? harsh? I think that that's reality. And sometimes reality slaps you and you need to just get over it. I mean, they, I mean, you can't, you, it's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like you can't have the ace in your pocket and then also expect to have a a balanced home life where you're right. Because like we've tried it. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You can't be a 100% employee, a 100% parent and a 100% spouse all the time. It just like literally doesn't exist. So, I mean where mm-hmm. do your loyalties loyalties lie? Like, is it in your job or is it in this person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with? Like, so mm-hmm. I think that really the patriarchy does a huge disservice for men when it comes to the home setting. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I would agree. I think as a society, we just, we fail to set men up in a really, in a way that, I, I mean, when you think about it, like the, the roles of both men and women right. in relationships really haven't evolved, right? Like we are all still stuck in the setup of the fifties right. living in 2023. And so, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't work for anyone. I, but I think that it especially, I have more.
But do you think the average man thinks nearly as much about how the patriarchy affects their lives as those who Absolutely mother not. in American culture do? I mean, sure. I think that the modern man um, probably thinks about it more than their fathers did. Um, but I still don't think that it's nearly at the forefront of their mind like it is ours. Ready? Season two. I'm very excited. Thanks. All righty. Well, let's talk about our peaches and pits. Why don't you go first? So my pits is that our fall activity schedule um, quickly fell into shambles with no control. I had everything lined up perfectly, so we were only at activities two days a week. It was going to be great and lovely. And then a bunch of stuff had to get moved around because of other conflicts and no longer offering a certain class. And so now we have activities every single day of the week, which <laughs> it's only going to be until the end of October. That, I mean, that's not awful. That's it's not awful. Not awful. If it makes you feel better, yesterday Hudson... Um, sprung on me that he really wanted to be doing fall baseball. Oh. So we might be adding that into the mix. Love that for you. Yes, yes. So what's your peach? My peach is yesterday for a full eight hours. Every single linen in my home was clean other than what we were wearing. <laughs> that literally never Amazing. happens. So that was like just, I mean, I just like soaked in those couple of hours and right. it was great. It's a whole day. The it's a whole business day. It really is. For a family of six, it's insane to. Yeah. We never have yeah. everything. No. Like unfolded. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. What about Amazing. you? Um, I will say that my peaches, we got new windows put in on our main floor today. Um which, you know, I'm not looking forward to paying for <laughs> Yeah, getting them done on the backside of the house. That is like the last step to getting our sunroom done and structurally usable. So very pumped about that. It's been three years in the making. Um, and my pit today is all of the massive technology problems I had just to like get here and hit record. And I just got kicked out and, and, Got hopped back in, but my mic's not plugged in because it's I had to move to my laptop. So shit like that annoys me. Yay. But I'm gonna let it go. You're gonna let it go. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) So you have Oh, the Spitfire. Spitfire. (laughs) So the other day, Tuesday, you know, I picked Caroline up to take her to volleyball and I, we're pulling up to the stoplight to turn left into the Y and Caroline goes, why did you take the wrong way to get here? And (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, I forget that your guys's street, like I could just take all the way through over, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess. Yeah. I always forget that. So I guess I kind of took I took the long way. It probably added like an extra minute. The scenic route. Yes. 
And Nora goes, yeah, my mom doesn't know how to drive. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, your taxi ride ends here, ladies. Why don't you go ahead and let yourself out? And um, I hope you enjoy your nice walk home straight yeah. down the street. <laughs> the right way. The right way. <laughs> You're out of control. <laughs> so what is your partner praise? Um, so last week was Nebraska volleyball day in -hmm. Nebraska. So for those out of state listeners, we beat several records, NCAA national and world record, um, because the Husker volleyball team played at Memorial stadium, their football team or their football stadium. It was amazing and so wonderful. And it just made me want to shout go women. Um, but that's beside the point. So we had tickets for the whole family, um, Everything quickly devolved, um, and so Jesse sacrificed himself essentially yeah. to stay home with those that didn't work. And so then me, Charlotte, and then a set of friends were able to go. And so that was really, really kind of him. And he said that yeah, both of us wanted to go, but like it would mean more for you to be there to Charlotte than for me to go. And I was like, oh, you're so sweet. That is very sweet. I like that. Way to yeah. go. Way to go, Jess. Way to go. High five. Um, I will say my partner praise is that we, as you can see, I'm in a new setting and um, we swapped living rooms. So now I have like a dedicated office room, which was Eric's idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so part one, yay for that. And then um, our our new living room where my office formerly was didn't have any ceiling lights. Our house was built in the seventies and they apparently didn't think that like ceiling lighting was important. And um, so he has been diligently working to put in um, lights and fans and everything to make that like a usable room on the regs. So it's obviously saving us a ton of money because hiring somebody to come and do that for us would cost a lot. And so I appreciate right. it. He's handy and he's taking it on. And because our house is old, there's always problem solving. Yeah. yeah. So For sure. Go, Eric. Go, Eric. Better you than me. I would not trust right. myself to do any electrical work in our Thank house. You. <laughs> yeah. All righty. So today we are talking the patriarchy. <laughs> I'm so excited about this episode. I this know. So actually, this was an episode that we thought about, we had on our list to do last year or last season, last year. God. Last year. <laughs> the summer feels so far away already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it just felt like we it needed more like space and research and thought behind like how we put it together so it got bumped to season 2 and so i'm really excited for us to like dive into this today and i will say this this is the disclaimer for it this is not like a fuck the patriarchy white straight men suck episode <laughs> no not at no. all Not at all. It's supposed to be an acknowledgement and a discussion of the facts. And the facts are that, I mean, really, the patriarchy 
exist. And by nature, it oppresses women and people of color. And it needs to be radically reformed. Yes. Or just made into something new altogether. Right. And the way that I think about it and I look at it because I know this topic gets really politically charged for people in today's climate is that really, and I have thought this like for a very long time, that society and institutions are really like, they're made to evolve as we learn. And I think we have learned enough about the patriarchy that makes it clear that a lot about it needs to change. So to to be fair as well, I think outside of the economics of the patriarchy, that men obviously benefit from the most, I would say that it doesn't actually serve white men or men at all that well either. I think it's actually a huge disadvantage for them, which, you know, we dive into, yes. but I am, I am excited for this episode and to finally be putting it together. So yay. Yay. All right. A quick like history lesson here. So what exactly is the patriarchy? And I think as as I was kind of researching, it felt really important to define this because it sort of seems like um, this like enigma, right? Like we talk about it all the time and people like say it, but it's kind of like, what is it exactly? Um, so to be like very clear, and this is an oversimplification, but it's the idea that men have more power and dominance and privilege than women. And they hold positions of power and women are less valued. Therefore, they end up oppressed. And the idea of the patriarchy and this the social structure really infiltrate our daily life. So these the examples of this kind of range from like pretty benign, like a woman taking a man's name at marriage and their children then getting that surname passed on to them versus the woman's against something like men holding most of the executive positions in companies and in the government. So then they make decisions based on their worldview, which is generally to the detriment of women and minorities. So obviously there are some parts of the patriarchy that we take bigger issues with than others. Um, But also in general, the rationale or the values like rational thinking are prioritized over emotions. It's primarily white and heterosexual, heterosexual. I don't know why I said that like that. And as such, behaviors for both men and women are policed based on the social construct of those ideas and those values. And so that's kind of how it all, how it all comes together. So what does this have to do with the mental load? Um, the patriarchy obviously built and maintains the systems that we have today in our society. And those, as we are all well aware of, and has been really revealed as we've talked about in the past through the cracks in COVID and things like that, it's really coming to light, 
it doesn't support women and it doesn't support families in general. And it also steers men's behavior in a way that doesn't support modern family life. It really leads to deeply unsatisfied relationships on both sides of the equations, but for very different reasons. And so it really kind of lays the foundation, I think, for, for the mental load. So we'll kind of discuss later on why we think the patriarchy doesn't actually serve men very well. Um, but in society, generally, you see it, you see the patriarchy at work when you see um, the hierarchy of power that puts white men at the top and everybody else kind of underneath that. So um, I, sorry, I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> so I'm trying to. Hold on one second. Let me get my let me get my reading glasses out. Oh gosh, oh, nothing has made me feel older tonight than that moment. Than that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think this is something that you know, as as women who like feel the effects every day, we we think about on a regular basis. But do you think the average man thinks nearly as much about how the patriarchy affects their lives as those who absolutely mother not. in American culture do? I mean, sure. I think that the modern man um, probably thinks about it more than their fathers did. Um, but I still don't think that it's nearly at the forefront of their mind like it is ours. Because they don't, have, I mean, they benefit through all of their patriarchic, yeah. patriarch. I'm going to get through this. Through, they've reaped all the benefits, you know? And then, and we were oppressed, and you're, I mean, even science yeah. says you're more likely to remember negative than positive. So <laughs> it's proven. <laughs> Scientifically proven. Yeah. I, I would agree. I don't think, and so at the at the end of this conversation, the question that I'm excited to, I'm going to put it out now and I want to circle back to it at the end is, you know, as we kind of discuss the patriarchy, its effects, and we essentially make the case for why it's not serving anyone well, but especially families, do you think... It is something because at the end of the day, it's right, right. the ace in the hole for men, right? So is it something that they are, as a society, are we ever going to collectively try to change it and reform it and build something new? Do you, do we ever see, so after this whole conversation, that's, that's my question at the end is. Do we ever see a day when collectively men are like, I'm cool if I give up this ace in my pocket to make a better society for everyone? Because right. it exists otherwhere, other other places in the world. You see, you know, um, you see it especially like in the Nordic countries where they, you know, kind of at the same time in history, um, our countries sort of reached the same 
cultural turning point. And we, you know, we went left and made policy that hurt women and families and they went right and really made it um, culturally ingrained and legislated for families. And you see the difference in the, the cultures and the happiness and, um, you know, just kind of the overall health and wellness of families and relationships and, and everyone right. in I mean, them. So it's a, an example that it can and does work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I won't answer yet. I, so fascinating. That's what, that's what we're going to get to yeah. by the end of the episode. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we won't. Maybe right. we'll end up answering it. It'll be our own opinion anyway. So, <laughs> so I I felt like also too we couldn't really like discuss the patriarchy without kind of discussing feminism and it's it's interesting. So okay, so here's the definition of feminism that I found, and. It, It says many forms of feminism characterize patriarchy as a present-day unjust social system that subordinates, discriminates, and oppresses women. Feminists often view patriarchal ideology as the root cause of gender inequality. And obviously, we've, we've talked about gender inequality in the past and how it affects the mental load and families and the men and women in those relationships and households. But it was interesting because, you know, us being of a certain age, raised, <laughs> I don't want to say that, in that makes 30s. us sound old. <laughs> Having, in our, those of us in our 30s, um, you know, like in the, in the 90s, and I, I would venture to say even like in the 2000s, I feel like when I was in like high school and going into college, like feminism was such like a... People were like, "Ooh, you're a feminist," because it was all like, "Right, oh, you're like right. one of those it felt like women." It was almost yeah. like it was masculinized. Is that a word? I don't know. It was like they made <laughs> women who cared about women men in a bad way, or like that was like the energy behind it was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you're a feminist," like. You hate men, but it was this really masculine energy that like the stereotype repeated. It was, it's very strange. It's, it is very, it is very strange. And actually, as I was like typing this, cause I was like, oh my gosh, I mean, like by that definition, I would be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred percent a feminist. It's never right. something that like a, I super identified like one way or the other. I think naturally I, I, I am because obviously I care about a lot of the issues that the, like the feminist movement, but I was, as I was prepping the episode, I kind of caught myself being like, oh my gosh, that was like culturally ingrained in me. And like, even I was so scared to like type it out and be like, yeah, I mean, I, I would call myself a feminist because we were just taught that that yeah. was like such a, you like, right. you were crazy if you were a feminist. And and then like as I so as I followed this like train of thought where I was like, oh my gosh, why does this like sort of have me taking pause and hesitating a moment? I was like, oh <laughs> we were just gaslit growing up. <laughs> I was like, 
that's that's what it comes down to to be like like oh i don't want to i don't want to call myself that because that means i'm crazy and i'm emotional and right. like where else do you hear all that shit anyway right that's the, that's the go-to trope for you know women's reactions to things yeah. and so i was like it was like a mind-blowing yeah. moment for me to be like oh <laughs> that's wow i don't know i just felt like a, it's like a, it's a very like system <laughs> A little bit of pain right. as I went through that self-reflection. <laughs> All right. So the mental, bring this back to kind of the mental load, patriarchy, feminism, and kind of bringing it all back. There are obviously things that the mental, like this contributes to in terms of the mental load, the burden of childcare, as we all know, that generally falls to the woman in the house to arrange, keep on track, mm -hmm. <laughs> rearrange, things like that. Um, and, you know, obviously taking like appearing feminine by taking care of your children and like taking the reins on childcare is like a big no-no under the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. It shows up in the form of like sick days and, and drop off and doctor's appointments and, you know, like the – all of the invisible right. work that generally we're taking care of comes down to men being taught that those things right. make you less of a man. And therefore, and I don't think, you know, I don't think going back to like the beginning of our conversation, I don't think my husband would be like, oh, if right. I take care of my kids, it makes me like less of a man. Um, but I think it's just kind of in those like nuanced, those nuanced behaviors where like, again, he wasn't raised to think that his value was in like maintaining right. a well-run household. Whereas. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. It's, I mean, I don't think any, at least I would hope not any guy is saying like, if I help rear my children, my like dick will shrink, but <laughs> I can assure you anybody who out there doesn't believe that it will not in fact shrink. That, we can't have shrinking dicks. Uh, that, that would be a disaster for us all. Yeah, it does. Like it's acting feminine because we're taught that the women raise the children and because women are feminine then if they raise children, mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. Right. Right. And that's, that's exactly how I felt kind of as I was, as I was looking through and I was like reading the articles and getting ready for this. I'm like, I get, I, to some degree, I get it. You're right. Which makes me feel a little bit insane I mean, I don't agree with it. That's the, that's the main distinction. I guess I can kind of follow your logic. However, yes, it absolutely. seems deeply flawed, you know, because then we end up being, you know, the, mm -hmm. we're the default parent. We retain all the details around all of the stuff and the things. And um, being the default parent sucks you know, sometimes. It just it yeah. does. I mean, it sucks. It sucks all the time. <laughs> I, don't I don't think um, I'm ever actually like super happy right. when I find myself 
feeling that, that, um, but even, even something, um, like contraception and, you know, like it falls on us to find it, take it reliably (laughs) and, you know, yeah, you know, so we don't, we don't end up, you know, in a situation because we also don't have full bodily autonomy in most states in America anymore. And so, you know, it's just all, it's all of those things that, you know, you start to kind of like add them up and, and even that, um, you know, the idea of being like, oh, just even taking care of my own physical health, like that's obviously it's not something my husband can do for me. My husband can't like know how my body is feeling and book a doctor's appointment. I don't know. I feel like or whatever. Um, <laughs> He's like, my tummy hurts. I'm like, you should see a GI doctor. <laughs> <laughs> That's because men suffer from man colds and like this general, yes. What is it exactly? When we got back from vacation in Florida, Eric's foot was like, both feet were like swollen very badly. And he sat around for like three days before I was like, <laughs> that's not good. Like, that's not normal. No one else on our trip, and there were nine of us total because we went with another family. No, no one else came back with like super swollen feet that they can barely walk on. Like, I mean, that's what's keeping them from going to the doctor. Yeah, you should. They are some capable men. Right. Well, yes. They are strong. They are capable. And they never that ask for help, even though they could have some like. <laughs> even, even today, I mean, Eric went hunting over the weekend and I'm not going to pretend to know like a ton about it, but at any rate, the other last night and this morning, he was like, he has this weird, like amoeba rash, like all over, like on his legs, on his arms. And he's like, well, like this doesn't, this isn't normal. And it looks very angry. Like it's so, it's so bad. Um, and he was like, maybe I should go see a doctor because now that I think about it, I did fall in standing water, which is generally where like bacteria and like amoeba, you know, like right. things That's that can like truly make you very live. sick. Yes. And he's like, he maybe, but you know what he has not done? <laughs> made an appointment. I, I mean, think if he already has it, he may as well go in tomorrow. <laughs> go out strong. <laughs> God. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> Please. So transitioning just a little bit, but kind of like keeping in this idea of the like the behaviors that like the patriarchy demands of men doesn't doesn't set them up for success in the household right because they they're taught like these harmful behaviors like you know you have to be strong and you're the provider and you don't ask for help and you're like you are in control and all these things and so then like the the flip side of that is that like 
you're not showing up in your house and helping clean. You don't know the details of like your child's medical history. So if you take them to the doctor and they're like, how many ear infections has your daughter had this summer? You're going to be like, let me call my wife. I don't know. Yeah, let me text her really quick. Like, he'll be like, is a that lot. three? Or and the doctor will be like, can you define that for me? Because it's a difference. Right, right. It's the difference between like, do we need to schedule another tube surgery or do we not? Um, you know, it also translates into like not emotionally supporting your wife and not emotionally supporting your children. And those things tend to. <laughs> feed off of each other in a very vicious cycle. And so what I thought was interesting is that millennial women cite the mental load as one of the main reasons that they get divorced, right? We showed up in marriages thinking that it was going to be an equal partnership. And we get like, (laughs) not that. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think of a split that might not be offensive, (laughs) but I can't, I don't know if I'm brave enough to say it. And so, you know, then, then we're like, well, fuck man. Like I might as well just do do most of this by myself anyway. I might as well just do it by myself. Then at least I don't have to worry about how you feel about it. And I can just make my own, make my own decisions. And so, do you think it's fair to say that the the gendered norms that the patriarchy instills in men actively holds them back from being productive in relationships? Or is that like I don't that think that too that's harsh? harsh. I think that that's reality. And sometimes reality slaps you and you need to just get over it. I mean, they, I mean, you can't, you, it's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like you can't have the ace in your pocket and then also expect to have a a balanced home life where you're right. Because like we've tried it. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You can't be a 100% employee, a 100% parent and a 100% spouse all the time. It just like literally doesn't exist. So, I mean where mm-hmm. do your loyalties loyalties lie? Like, is it in your job or is it in this person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with? Like, so mm-hmm. I think that really the patriarchy does a huge disservice for men when it comes to the home setting. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I would agree. I think as a society, we just, we fail to set men up in a really, in a way that, I I mean, when you think about it, like the, the roles of both men and women in relationships really haven't evolved, right? Like we are all still stuck in the setup of the fifties living in 2023. And so, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't work for anyone. I, but I think that it especially 
I have more empathy for men sometimes because at least what I kind of think to myself as like we kind of struggle through some of these changes, at least like I have the emotional, like I have emotional outlets. Like I have friends that I don't feel like weird going to and talking about anything under this, like it's all fair game. Like I have like an emotional support network. And so as much as it makes me want to like scream and as much as like it might create rage within me, I, I have, you know, I have avenues and I have people that I can talk to about it. And then I think about like our husbands and I'm, I think, man, you are just like marooned on an Island. Right. Nobody has set you up for success. It's hard at that point to like in any hold them accountable in the right here and right now, other than making sure that Mm -hmm. both men and women are recognizing this is a problem and then working together to fix it. And that, and that is always sort of like an ironic, um, right. Addition to the mental load, right. Because you have to like, we, we see it and I'm sure, and I'm sure the men in the households see it as well, but probably not with as much clarity as I think. Yeah. As, as we do. And I don't want to like give us too much credit here, but it's always tricky to be like, I'm going to point something out to you. Cause you got to Like, you got to do it in the right way and you have to do it in the right tone and at the right time. And you have to like mm-hmm. manage right. their feelings through it. When it, it like ironically just sort of like adds to the list of stuff and things that you are constantly kind of thinking about. And I don't mean it to sound like, right. Right. Like our shit doesn't stink sometimes, but it's just, again, when you're not set up for success and taught how to be successful, like inside the household, there's just naturally like that catch up. It's like joining a team Right, three weeks into the season, and and you're like, oh shit, yeah. I have like, I've got a lot to catch up on here, you know. So, interestingly, and I, I've linked this in the show notes because I think it's just a really like incredibly powerful um, TED talk, and I've heard it in in various iterations. I actually, I first heard about it on um, a political podcast. Uh, shortly after uh, Dobbs was struck down. And it's this um, gentleman named Tony Porter. And he had a TED Talk about 13 years ago, um, but he's still, it's very relevant and still speaks on it today. And it's called The Man Box. And this is essentially like, um, it is the set of social constructs that men use to police each other's behavior. And so it's what they're taught from a, like from the earliest age. And then that's essentially like what they bring into a marriage and a household. And that's the, 
those are generally the behaviors that we tend to find problematic and contribute to the mental load. So essentially he says that like men are taught to not be emotional except for anger. Anger is always acceptable. And that's often the way that you like strong arm people around you is through your anger. You don't show weakness. You don't show fear. You're always demonstrating control even over the people around you. You're there to be a protector. You don't want to be like a woman. So you are heterosexual. You don't want to be like a gay man. You need to be tough. You don't ask for help. And you view women as property and objects. I think kind of that last one, I feel like um, generationally, we've definitely, I feel like men we've married have like really moved past this. Um, But the other stuff, you know, I was like, this is, it just resonates so deeply. And he, you know, he talks about how at a very early age, we like strip men of their close relationships because we, um, you know, teach them that it's not okay to have feminine qualities. So don't do anything that makes you look feminine. So that would be right. caring about <laughs> like your bro dudes too much. You know, like, like, you know, at a very young age, I think you said it was like as young as like 13 or 14, we start stripping boys of their relationship and like teaching them to hold their, their friend. Right. Mm-hmm. And like hold them at a distance. Like, you know, and then because on the on the flip side of that, if you hold right. them too closely, then you could be perceived as gay. And he's like, you know, you know, and and I remember hearing, and he used the phrase, he was like, you know, you hear it all the time, where like young boys will be like, "Love you, dude, no homo." Like it always has to have this qualifier. And I I remember that. I don't know if that phrase is like as prevalent now. I I would think probably not, just because again, I think like kids today have so much more exposure and are so much more accepting. And it's just so much more common than like when I was in high school, you know, and I remember guys in high school and in college saying that all the time. Yeah. I definitely don't qualify yourself all the time. But for sure, high school. No, I, I definitely could not like picture my husband going over to our neighbor's house and like, you know, given, <laughs> giving Trey a pat on the back and being like, no homo, <laughs> you know, like you would never like that is, is like, yes, socially yes. unacceptable for so many reasons. But, but that is, you know, even, even in as recent history right. as our husbands having been in high school. I mean, 20 years ago mm-hmm. was not that long ago. I mean, I don't think I should have been out of high school for 20 years, but that's a different conversation. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? But like 20 years is still modern history. And that was still like what they were yeah. so trained to do. In well, that. and it comes – the man box I feel so, like is patrolled in all aspects think, of their life too. So like – not like the starts in childhood, but then they have male teachers and male friends. And so it's just like constantly reiterated to them over and over and over again. And so, 
Yeah. It's how you, how you behave in the locker room. It's how you behave on your team. It's how you So like, why wouldn't they show the up to a marriage setting. behaving like, like that? Like what, how could we expect any different? Right. Right. So I think out of like all of that list, is there anything in there that like stands out to you and go, and you go, they are all not great. However, like these ones are the most problematic. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if it's like the same, if it is by household, yeah, like so what my what do first you think? Like, gut, my first household. gut reaction is don't be emotional except for anger. Um, I am a, a relatively calm mm-hmm. person. I would think I would like to say so that I, I have a pretty um, high tolerance and patience um, and so like that jump to anger really, really bothers me. Um, uh, I, and mm-hmm. it wasn't a norm of mine when I was growing up, I would say, I would say that neither of my parents are quick to anger. Um, and so not being exposed to that as often, it really like when it does happen, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that misplaced it's the misplaced anger. um, Like, I think that you can be angry about something. I don't think that anger is an emotion you should avoid because absolutely I get angry. But I think that the emotional maturity you have then helps you deal with that anger in a respectful, responsible way where this anger that I'm talking about is like blind rage, screaming, yelling, going from zero to 60. Right, right. Like there's the, the progress is very, the progression of it is very fast. It's like, I said the same thing three times in a row in quick succession and you like still, your brain still hasn't finished yeah. processing what I've said, but it's too late, like clearly listening. And now like, and it's, and it's treating like every, every scenario yes. with the same level of anger versus, you know, and again, like I would agree, it's not that like right. the situation doesn't warrant frustration or irritation or anger, but even those things like are different right. than just like, straight anger, you know, and you can't, you can't expect, you you can't police behavior, especially I feel like with children, you can't treat every offense with like the same level of anger, because then I don't know if you are yelling at me because I'm about to accidentally push my sister down the stairs because I'm not paying attention or because I um, knocked over, like I, I knocked a piece of paper off the table and right, right. I feel like I should have been paying closer attention or something. Very different. Like those two things are yeah, very different, reaction. but often get so, yeah, like I think that it's that, that just like mm-hmm. blind rage and the reaction piece is a really, really strong point. Um, the other one that... I think is a big problem is don't show weakness or fear. 
I think vulnerability is super important. And I don't think that you get anywhere in life without some level of vulnerability and weakness and fear come hand in hand with that. And so um, Mm -hmm. that bothers me from both the relationship with a spouse, but then also the relationship with a child. Um, I think that in order to expect vulnerability out of them, and that comes out with honesty and responsibility that like you also have to show that as a model of behavior like I yelled I lost my temper knocking that piece of paper down was not that big of a deal I've had a really long day and I'm very sorry I think that 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 is a perfect example Mm -hmm. of showing what others would consider a weakness or fear because you are admitting to a fault or at least that's how I'm like processing yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's actually, I think that's a really good point. I think like on face value, I definitely took it as like, oh, I'm, you know, like I am scared of, you know, like maybe my mom is sick and I'm scared she's going to die or, you know, I'm sad, you know, like I took it at very much face value, but I love the way that you're interpreting it in terms of, because I think that is something that like, it comes down to this idea. And I, I had this like noted as kind of a hot take to do. It's this idea that like, we really do end up modeling for our kids. And when you can't accept, or you, you can't admit fault or a mistake or something like that, it doesn't really – your kids end up sort of like internalizing yeah. the opposite of what you want them to get out of it. When you can't say like, hey, I shouldn't have yelled at you about that and I'm really sorry. Right. And it doesn't come with conditions. It doesn't come with right. – but I had told you three times – like when you can't just say like, you know what, even though I did tell you three times – when you can't have this dialogue with yourself, I told you three times, um, but you know what? Everybody has their moments when they're not great listeners, or maybe you didn't understand. If you can't walk in and say, hey, I am sorry that I yelled at you. I shouldn't have lost my temper like that. I will do, I will work to do better next time. And it can't just happen like every once in a while. I feel like your kids have to hear that consistently. Like they, I think it's important for them to see as, as adults, you take responsibility for your own actions. Like, and right. It's, it's this idea. And, and I think when that's not happening, when the, when that conversation can't happen, and that's where I feel like I end up spending a lot Mm -hmm. of mental and emotional energy Because then, you know, like the kids will come and they'll like say something to me about it. And it's like, now I'm caught in this place where I, I don't want to like, you're not wrong, but it's not appropriate for me to talk poorly about your dad to you. And so now I have to spend in like the fraction of a second while you're standing there waiting for me to answer a question, 
I have to spend a ton of emotional and mental energy going, how do I answer this in a way that validates them, but also like is Mm -hmm. supportive of my spouse and doesn't paint them in a bad light. And then more often than that's going to sit with me probably for the whole rest of the day, the evening, yeah, whatever, at least, at the very least, let's be honest, it's probably going to be days, you know? And then, and then inevitably I go, I really need to talk to him about this. And then I have to spend days like building myself up to be like, so, you know, the other day right. and you're just like, oh God, you know, like it is, it is very draining. And then like managing, managing their emotions and kind of being like the backstop to like everything that you know is going to come from that, whether, you know, like, right. And it's, it's just a toss of a coin, right? It's going to be well received or is it not? (laughs) Did all of the mental and emotional energy I put into crafting this conversation, (laughs) was it for nothing or is it going to land? I kind of deal with that in like a different timeline. Like it takes a ton of emotional energy, um, but like I'm a little bit quicker to the conversation. And so sometimes that causes problem because I don't pause and like carefully craft my words. Then we put mm-hmm. the kids to bed and I'm like, what's your problem? <laughs> like, why, like, why are you yelling at the kids? What's going on? Like, this and so then it's a little bit more mm-hmm. in the moment, but I think that's just like the dynamics of marriage and people. And but then I think about yeah. So that, then my energy is actually it's, then it's spent in- on how that conversation could have gone differently had I spent the time on the front end. So my emotional energy mm-hmm. is at the end, and yours is at the beginning, which I think is really just interesting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it, so to explain like why it is that way. So that conversation about, um, when to bring things up has been like the oh, source sure. yeah, of see, like many different arguments in the past. And yeah. And it has always been like, it is a very, um, I don't necessarily agree with the way like it shakes out because I think you lose like a bit of timeliness to it. Like I should be able to say like, Hey, why are you yelling at the kids so much and not have it be like, right. It's like just a genuine question. It's not like an attack. It's not, you know, um, but if I say it in the moment, then that is like, right. like it's it's going to be an argument because it is very poorly, very poorly received, and that's been that's been brought to my attention before, and you know, so what ends up happening? I am like somebody who, by nature, like right. it would naturally take me a long time to kind of like talk to anybody about something anyway. Um, and nine times out of 10, I'm probably going to convince myself that I just need to let it go anyway. So 
Yeah. I mean, it's probably, probably right. differences in, yeah. in our individual personalities, our husbands and then like how we so would you as say a, your as married couples. Top couple are the same as mine. I know I only did two, but those were like the big ones. I would say um, once, once you talked about weakness and fear the way that you did, but I was actually going to say that like always demonstrate control because that is something that like, um, it's, it's funny. I remember when we were going through marriage counseling, like we had this conversation with our pastor and it was, um, this conversation around like control and like who, you know, who gets to decide the timeline that things get done on and who basically gets to dictate the way that it gets done. And Eric and I are both, um, people manager type people. Like we have the capacity and we, in our jobs, we are both like at a level where we manage things of our own. So I have noticed that one of us has to actively take that hat off in order for things to like go smoothly. Like if we, if we were painting a room together, I have thoughts and opinion, like I have a way I'm going to do this and I have a way I'm going to project manage the shit. And like, I would just assume, have you come into the room and maybe like, do this, 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 and this, I'm going to do this. It's going to get done in this timeline. I'm going to feel really good about it. He has the same exact mindset and one of us has to be well, it, and by one of us, I mean me, because he's, he's much more like, because, and I, and I feel like it comes right. down to this, like, right. well, obviously like my way is the best way we used to get in arguments about like, uh, we're not good at cooking together because like he, he doesn't just like, let me do it the way that I want to do it. And it's not, it's sometimes it's just different. Sometimes it is wrong, but even then it's like, just, unless I'm like going to like totally fuck it up, like maybe just let it go, you know? Like our, we, we used to argue over, um, like how to make peanut butters and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Cause he like had such a specific way he needed the like peanut butter and the jelly to be spread. <laughs> and I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, take the peanut butter and jelly, like take it and eat it. Like fair, why Jesse are we, has why the way that you build a sandwich in a very particular way. <laughs> and so I build my sandwich however I want to build it. I just keep piling on stuff and then slap the bread on. He has like where the toppings go but that's just like a little nuance thing of him. he's generally a very laid-back guy <laughs> that's funny um but I think in general the like control thing obviously like it plays out differently you know like when it's Eric and I like Right. I can, we can have like a stupid little squabble over a pizza yeah. and jelly sandwich or how to paint, you know, like one of them can be like, this is not table stakes here. But I think it kind of goes back to the like taking responsibility for your behavior that you, you talked about when like you always have to be in control and things have to get done your way because that's what you were like, 
that was the expectation of you growing up. It was the expectation of all the men around you was to always be in control of the situation and the people. It doesn't leave a lot of room for that flexibility and for like kids to be kids and to be like, I heard you tell me to do the chore this way, but in my little head, I think I could do it this way. It's totally nonsensical. I probably don't need to build a contraption to roll the trash bag to the door. But in my head, I want to. And I think it makes like way more sense than just carrying it for, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, cause that's the kind of shit that kids do, right? They're like, they're like, I hear that you told me this is a very like logical way to do it. I'm wondering if but I, I actually a think that I could like. Correct. Correct. It's like, um, it's like in the, there's this episode of Bluey where they're doing like weekend chores and the parents notice that like, you know, they tell the girls to tidy up their fort and they notice that they like never walk the same. They always have some silly walk as they're putting each individual item away. So like to and from the item. Right. And it's like, who cares if you do it? that way versus just like so it's it's the control thing was probably going to be my my other one where i feel like it's um and i see that play out like when we go mm-hmm. to like his right. parents house and it's like that you know at, so right. it's it's generational it's taught it's learned but it's also something that like you know I think just as a society, we're like, yeah, you, you should always, right. you should always be in control of this, and everybody and should, we should like listen, bend get well. in line. We should listen and get in line, and then <laughs> the men ended up with wives who don't want to do that, and children, <laughs> children who aren't capable. <laughs> you take that. Yeah. You can go fuck yourself with that idea, because. <laughs> Um, gosh, it reminds me of this meme where it's like, um, what it's like a Christmas carol where it's like, um, you know, treetops glisten and children listen. And it's like, incorrect. My children don't listen to anything. (laughs) It's true. They just have their own, you know, and what I think we fail to recognize some, you know, as parents on both sides of the equation is that sometimes sometimes you just have to let them do it the way that they want to do right. it. Cause it's just their little way of sorting out the world and like learning some independence and a skill. And just because we think we know the shortcut, like to get it done as quickly and as efficiently as possible, doesn't mean that that is the most beneficial for them in that yeah. moment to like. Yeah. Executive learn, functioning, you know, it's process. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So to kind of like tie this all up, I think it's it's obvious that women have a lot to gain by the patriarchy being reformed into something new, right? Better pay, equal rights, better balance at home. And like I said at the beginning, like to me, this begs the and and I the reason the question that I'm going to ask came up is because you know I was typing this this outro. In this conclusion, and I was like, you know, but men also have a right. lot to gain. Like, 
right? There's this, this emotional connection with your wife and your children and just feeling more like secure and um, included in your family life and all these things. And that is the idea that kind of sparked my question. And I was like, is it obvious though? Like, do they, do they know that on a deep level? And if they do, is it a chicken and the egg question? Like, would they give up the ace in the hole to have those things? Is it as, is it so obvious to them, even on a level that they like won't admit to anybody else that they have a lot to be, to gain if they just like softened to some more quote unquote feminine behaviors? And even if it is obvious, are they actually going to do it? Because, because softening to the right to soften to those things and to pick up Puts them more outside of the man inside box. the household, put them outside of the man box is going to take time away from work, right? They're going to have to like, you're going to have to be home from work on at a consistent time. You're going to have to leave at a consistent time because right. you're in charge of picking up our kids every fucking day. And you nope. can't, you can't pick them up at five minutes to six. I mean, you can technically, technically daycare is open, but like you can't bring them home, you know, at 10, feed them like 6.15 every single night. And then, yeah, yeah. And do all of the things that we have to do. And like, now we've missed activities, right? But like, then you're not, then you're leaving work. You're declining meetings that people put on your calendars at the end of the day right. because you can't, because you have to go pick up. It's like, kids. it's like the men have to create a union, you know, against all of the patriarchy, <laughs> a fatherhood a, union, a fatherhood union <laughs> to be like, I would also like to just leave work at a reasonable time so I can go pick up my children and assist right. with the things that need to get done. I mean, it's, it's like the opposite of the because grass is greener on the other side. It's like they know they have a good now and they they probably know that it's also really nice over there, but because they're really confident in this side, they're going to they're going to stay here and just feel like the consequences on the other side aren't as heavy as the other way. Does that make sense? I know I used a lot of words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of analogies rolled into one, but I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like looking at it and going, um, it's the difference between like the grass is green on both sides, but the grass on my side of the patriarchy side um, has a hired lawn keeper who comes and like regularly fertilizes and waters and like tends to the grounds and like your grass is green, but <laughs> out of like your own hard work and blood, sweat and, and so, like, I see that they are both green and they look the same and they feel the same, but like you actually have to work really hard and happens just appears it just happens and I love it I don't know I don't know if I can confidently answer it I you know I think like 
I think on the surface, if I were to like ask my yeah. husband, he'd be like, of course, of course I would like, um, you know, take, take a society that, you know, doesn't force me into this man box and gives me like all these other options and like values your invisible work as much as they value my very tangible work. And I think you would be like, of course. But then if I was like, but that means that like you have to take a, what is it? A 27 cent pay cut for every dollar you make. He'd be like, Hmm. I don't know. And you're like, couldn't we just pay women like the same? And then somebody be like, sorry, we can't afford to do that as it turns out. (laughs) And then they'd be like, well, yes. You know what I'm saying? Like it sounds ridiculous when you put it like that, you know, (laughs) you put it in those terms, but I feel like that is kind of what it comes down to. And I don't know if I can confidently answer. I don't know. Would they give it up? Because I think I think as um, as a society, as particularly in American culture, we tend to think that if I get a if I have to share more of my pie, then like I get I'm getting a smaller slice of my pie. Right. It's not that we're just like making a bigger. That's a great pie. analogy. I love that. No. Oh, well, it's, it's not mine. <laughs> Wherever you got it from. I'm going to take credit for it anyway, at least in this context, <laughs> the interwebs. All right. So that is it for the patriarchy and the mental load. Yeah. I think we could unpack this for much longer. But... Thank you all for listening. Welcome to season two. We have some amazing guests lined up and some amazing topics. So if you are a listener, rate and review. It really does help other people find our podcast. And if you could share it with a friend or a or colleague, spouse. that helps this us This episode as in well particular. That it truly, it truly does help us. So rating, reviewing, subscribing all helps us grow and get new listeners and do some really cool things for you. Hey, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Empathy for men sometimes because... At least what I kind of think to myself as like we kind of struggle through some of these changes, at least like I have the emotional, like I have emotional outlets. Like I have friends that I don't feel like weird going to and talking about anything under this, like it's all fair game, like I have like an emotional support network. And so as much as it makes me want to like scream and as much as like it might create rage within me, I, I have, you know, I have avenues and I have people that I can talk to about it. And then I think about like 
our husbands. And I'm, I think, yeah. man, you are just like marooned on an island. Right. Nobody has to, set you up for success. I mean, success. it's hard at that point to like in any hold them accountable in the right here and right now, other than making sure that mm-hmm. both men and women are recognizing this is a problem and then working together to mm-hmm. fix it. And that, and that is always sort of like an ironic, um, right. Addition to the mental load, right? Because you have to like, we, we see it and I'm sure, and I'm sure the men in the households see it as well, but probably not with as much clarity as I think. Yeah. As, as we do. And I don't want to like give us too much credit here, but it's always tricky to be like, I'm going to point something out to you. Cause you got to Like, you got to do it in the right way and you have to do it in the right tone and at the right time. And you have to like mm-hmm. manage right. their feelings through it. When it, it like ironically just sort of like adds to the list of stuff and things that you are constantly kind of thinking about. And I don't mean it to sound like, right. Right. Like our shit doesn't stink sometimes, but it's just, again, when you're not set up for success and taught how to be successful, like inside the household, there's just naturally like that catch up. It's like joining a team right three weeks into the season and and you're like, oh shit, yeah. I have like I've got a lot to catch up on here, you know. So interestingly, and I I've linked this in the show notes because I think it's just a really like incredibly powerful um TED talk and I've heard it in in various iterations. I actually I first heard about it on um a political podcast. Uh shortly after uh, Dobbs was struck down. And it's this um, gentleman named Tony Porter. And he had a TED talk about 13 years ago, um, but he's still, it's very relevant and still speaks on it today. And it's called The Man Box. And this is essentially like, um, it is the set of social constructs that men use to police each other's behavior. And so it's what they're taught from a, like from the earliest age. And then that's essentially like what they bring into a marriage and a household. And that's the, those are generally the behaviors that we tend to find problematic and contribute to the mental load. So essentially he says that like, Men are taught to not be emotional except for anger. Anger is always acceptable. And that's often the way that you like strong arm people around you is through your anger. You don't show weakness. You don't show fear. You're always demonstrating control even over the people around you. You're there to be a protector. You don't want to be like a woman. So you are heterosexual. You don't want to be like a gay man. You need to be tough. You don't ask for help. And you view women as property and objects. I think kind of that last one, 
I feel like generation, gener, yeah. um, generationally, we've definitely, I feel like men we've married have like really moved past this. Um, but the other stuff, you know, I was like, this is, it just resonates so deeply. And he, you know, he talks about how at a very early age, we like strip men of their close relationships because we, um, you know, teach them that it's not okay to have feminine qualities. So don't do anything that makes you look feminine. So that would be right. caring about <laughs> like your bro dudes too much. You know, like, like, you know, at a very young age, I think you said it was like as young as like 13 or 14, we start stripping boys of their relationship and like teaching them to hold their, their friend. Right. Mm -hmm. And like hold them at a distance, like, you know, and then because on the, on the flip side of that, if you hold them too closely, then you could be perceived as gay. And he's like, you know, and, and I remember hearing, and he used the phrase, he was like, you know, you hear it all the time where like young boys will be like, love you, dude, no homo. Like it always has to have this qualifier. And I, I remember that. I don't know if that phrase is like as prevalent now. I, I would think probably not just because again, I think like kids today have so much more exposure and are so much more accepting. And it's just so much more common than like when I was in high school, you know, I, and I remember guys in high school yeah. and in college saying that all the time. Yeah. I definitely like, don't remember qualify yourself like my all recent the time. history, but for sure, high school. <laughs> no, I, I definitely could not like picture my husband going over to our neighbor's house and like, you know, given, <laughs> giving Trey a pat on the back and being like, no homo, <laughs> you know, like you would never like that is, is like, yes, socially yes. unacceptable for so many reasons, but, but that is you know, even, even in as recent history as our husbands having been in high school, I mean, 20 years ago Mm -hmm. was not that long ago. I mean, I don't think I should have been (laughs) out of high school for 20 years, but that's a different conversation. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But like 20 years is still modern history and still like what they were. Yeah. Trained to do. In well, that. and it comes the man box. I feel so, like is patrolled in all aspects think, of their life too. So, like, not like this starts in childhood, but then mm-hmm. they have male teachers and male friends, and so it's just like constantly reiterated to them over and over and over again. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's how you, how you behave in the locker room. It's how you behave on your team. It's how you. So, like, why wouldn't they show up to a marriage setting. behaving like, like that? Like what, how could we expect any different? Right. Right. So I think out of like all of that list, is there anything in there that like stands out to you and go, and you go, they are all not great. However, like these ones are the most problematic. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if it's like the same, if it, is by household yeah, like so what my what do first you think? like gut my and first gut reaction is don't be emotional except for anger um i am a a 
relatively calm mm-hmm. person, I would think. I would like to say so, that I, I have a pretty um, high tolerance and patience. Um, and so, like, that jump to anger really, really bothers me. Uh, I... And it wasn't a norm of mine when I was growing up, I would say. I would say that neither of my parents are quick to anger. Um, and so not being exposed to that as often, it really, like, when it does happen. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that misplaced – it's the misplaced it's, anger. Um, like, I think that you can be angry about something. I don't think yeah, that anger is a an emotion you should avoid because absolutely I get angry. But I think that the emotional maturity you have then helps you deal with that anger in a respectful, responsible way where this anger that I'm talking about is like blind rage, screaming, yelling, going from zero to 60. Right, right. Like there's the the progress is very yes. the progression of it is very fast. It's like I said the same thing three times in a row in quick succession and you like still your brain still hasn't finished yeah. processing what I've said, but it's too late. Like clearly listening and now like and it's and it's treating like every every scenario. Yes with the same level of anger versus, you know, and again, like I would agree, it's not that like the situation doesn't warrant frustration or irritation or anger, but even those things like are different than just like straight anger, you know, and you can't, you can't expect you, you can't police behavior, especially I feel like with children, you can't treat every offense with like the same level of anger because then I don't know if you are yelling at me because I'm about to accidentally push my sister down the stairs because I'm not paying attention or because I um, knocked over like I, I knocked a piece of paper off the table and right, right. I feel like I should have been paying closer attention or something. Very different. Like those two things are yeah, very different, reaction. but often and get so, yeah, like I same. think that it's that, that just like mm-hmm. blind rage and the reaction piece is a really, really strong point. Um, the other one that I think is a big problem is don't show weakness or fear. I think vulnerability is super important, and I don't think that you get anywhere in life without some level of vulnerability, and weakness and fear come hand in hand with that. And so um, that bothers me from both the relationship with a spouse, but then also the relationship with a child. Um, I think that in order to expect vulnerability out of them, and that comes out with honesty and responsibility that like you also have to show that as a model of behavior. Like I yelled, I lost my temper. Knocking that piece of paper down was not that big of a deal. I've had a really long day and I'm very sorry. I think that that, that is a perfect example Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. showing what others would consider a weakness or fear because you are admitting 
to a fault, or at least that's how I'm like processing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's actually, I think that's a really good point. I think like on face value, I definitely took it as like, oh, I'm, you know, like I am scared of, you know, like maybe my mom is sick and I'm scared she's going to die or, you know, I'm sad, you know, like I took it at very much face value, but I love the way that you're interpreting it in terms of, because I think that is something that like, it comes down to this idea. And I, I had this like noted as kind of a hot take to do. It's this idea that like, we really do end up modeling for our kids. And when you can't accept or you you can't admit fault or a mistake or something like that, it doesn't really – your kids end up sort of like internalizing yeah. the opposite of what you want them to get out of it. When you can't say like, hey, I shouldn't have yelled at you about that and I'm really sorry, right. and it doesn't come with conditions. It doesn't come with right. – but I had told you three times – like. When you can't just say like, you know what, even though I did tell you three times, when you can't have this dialogue with yourself, I told you three times, um, but you know what? Everybody has their moments when they're not great listeners, or maybe you didn't understand. If you can't walk in and say, hey, I am sorry that I yelled at you. I shouldn't have lost my temper like that. I will do, I will work to do better next time. And it can't just happen like every once in a while. I feel like your kids have to hear that consistently. Like they, I think it's important for them to see as, as adults, you take responsibility for your own actions. Like, and right. It's, it's this idea. And, and I think when that's not happening, when the, when that conversation can't happen, And that's where I feel like I end up spending a lot of Mm -hmm. mental and emotional energy because then, you know, like the kids will come and they'll like say something to me about it. And it's like, now I'm caught in this place where I, I don't want to like, you're not wrong, but it's not appropriate for me to talk poorly about your dad to you. And so now I have to spend in like the fraction of a second while you're standing there waiting for me to answer a question. I have to spend a ton of emotional and mental energy going, how do I answer this in a way that validates them, but also like Mm. is supportive of my spouse and doesn't paint them in a bad light. And then more often than that's going to sit with me probably for the whole at rest least. of yeah. the day, the evening, yeah. whatever, at least, at the very least, let's be honest, it's probably going to be days, you know? And then, and then inevitably I go, I really need to talk to him about this. And then I have to spend days like building myself up to be like, so, you know, the other day right. and you're just like, oh God. you know, like it is, it is very draining. And then like managing 
managing their emotions and kind of being like the backstop to like everything that you know is going to come from that, whether, you know, like, right. And it's, it's just a toss of a coin, right? It's yeah. going to be well received or is it not? <laughs> Did all of the mental and emotional energy I put into crafting this conversation, <laughs> was it for That's nothing? That's so funny that you say or it is like it that because I kind of deal with that in like a different timeline. Like it takes a ton of emotional energy. Um, but like, I'm a little bit quicker to the conversation. And so sometimes that causes problem because I don't pause and like carefully craft my words. Then we put mm-hmm. the kids to bed and I'm like, what's your problem? <laughs> like, why, like, why are you yelling at the kids? What's going on? Like this. And so then it's a little bit more. Mm-hmm in the moment. But I think that's just like the dynamics of marriage and people. And, but then I think about, yeah. So that energy is actually then spent on how that conversation could have gone differently had I spent the time on the front end. So my emotional energy mm -hmm. is at the end and yours is at the beginning, which I think is really just interesting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it, so to explain like why it is that way. So that conversation about, um, when to bring things up has been like the oh, source sure. yeah, of see, like many different arguments in the past. And yeah. And it has always been like, it is a very, um, I don't necessarily agree with the way like it shakes out because I think you lose like a bit of timeliness to it. Like I should be able to say like, Hey, why are you yelling at the kids so much and not have it be like, right. It's like just a genuine question. For it's sure. not like an attack. It's not, you know, um, but if I say it in the moment, then that is like, right. like it's it's going to be an argument because it is very poorly, very poorly received, and that's been that's been brought to my attention before, and you know, so what ends up happening? I am like somebody who, by nature, like, right, it would naturally take me a long time to kind of like talk to anybody about something anyway. Um, and nine times out of 10, I'm probably going to convince myself that I just need to let it go anyway. So yeah, I mean, it's probably, probably right. differences in, yeah. in our individual personalities, our husbands, and like how we so would you as say a, your as married couples. Top couple are the same as mine. I know I only did two, but those were like the big ones. I would say... Um, once, once you talked about weakness and fear the way that you did, but I was actually going to say that like always demonstrate control because that is something that like, um, it's, it's funny. I remember when we were going through marriage counseling, like we had this conversation with our pastor and it was, um, 
this conversation around like control and like who, you know, who gets to decide the timeline that things get done on and who basically gets to dictate the way that it gets done. And Eric and I are both um, people manager type people. Like we have the capacity and we, in our jobs, we are both like at a level where we manage things of our own. So I have noticed that one of us has to actively take that hat off in order for things to like go smoothly. Like if we, if we were painting a room together, I have thoughts and opinions, like I have a way I'm going to do this and I have a way I'm going to project manage the shit. And like, I would just assume, have you come into the room and maybe like, do this, 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 and this, I'm going to do this. It's going to get done in this timeline. I'm going to feel really good about it. He has the same exact mindset and one of us has to be well, it, and by one of us, I mean me, because he's, he's much more like, because, and I, and I feel like it comes right. down to this, like, right. well, obviously like my way is the best way we used to get in arguments about like, uh, we're not good at cooking together because like he, he doesn't just like, let me do it the way that I want to do it. And it's not, it's sometimes it's just different. Sometimes it is wrong, but even then it's like, just, unless I'm like going to like, right. totally fuck it let up, it like maybe just right. Right. let it go, <laughs> you know? Like our, we, we used to argue over, um, like how to make peanut butters and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Cause he like had such a specific way he needed the like peanut butter and the jelly to be spread. <laughs> and I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Take the peanut butter and jelly, like take it and eat it. To be like, fair, why Jesse are we, has why the way that you build a sandwich in a very particular way. <laughs> and so I build my sandwich however I want to build it. I just keep piling on stuff and then slap the bread on. He has like where the toppings go but that's just like a little nuancey thing of him. he's generally a very laid-back guy <laughs> that's funny um but I think in general the like control thing obviously like it plays out differently you know like when it's Eric and I like Right. I can, we can have like a stupid little squabble over a peanut yeah. butter and jelly sandwich or how to paint, you know, like one of us can be like, this is not table stakes here. But I think it kind of goes back to the like taking responsibility for your behavior that you, you talked about when like you always have to be in control and things have to get done your way because that's what you were like that was the expectation of you growing up. It was the expectation of all the men around you was to always be in control of the situation and the people. It doesn't leave a lot of room for that flexibility and for like kids to be kids and to be like, I heard you tell me to do the chore this way, but in my little head, I think I could do it this way. It's totally nonsensical. I probably don't need to build a contraption to roll the trash bag to the door. But in my head, I want to. And I think it makes like way more sense than just carrying it for, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, cause that's the kind of shit that kids do, right? They're like, 
they're like, I hear that you told me this is a very like logical way to do it. I'm wondering but if I, I could actually do a think while I that I that like. Correct, correct. It's like um, it's like in the epi- there's this episode of Bluey where they're doing like weekend chores and the parents notice that like you know they tell the girls to tidy up their fort and they notice that they like never walk the same they always have some silly walk as they're putting each individual item away so like to and from the item right and it's like who cares if you do it that way versus just like so it's it's the control thing was probably going to be my my other one where I feel like it's um and I see that play out like when we go to like right. his parents' house and it's like that, you know, at, so right. it's it's generational, it's taught, it's learned, but it's also something that like, you know, I think just as a society, we're like, yeah, you, you should always, right. you should always be in control of this and everybody and should, should like- listen, get in line. We should listen and get in line. And then- <laughs> The men ended up with wives who don't want to do that and children, <laughs> children who aren't capable. <laughs> you take that, yeah. you can go fuck yourself with that idea. Because, um, gosh, it reminds me of this meme where it's like, um, what it's like a Christmas carol where it's like, um, you know, treetops glisten and children listen, and it's like. Incorrect. My children don't listen to anything. <laughs> it's true. They just have their own, you know. And what I think we fail to recognize, some, you know, as parents on both sides of the equation, is that sometimes, sometimes you just have to let them do it the way that they want to do right. it because it's just their little way of sorting out the world and like learning some independence and a skill. And just because we think we know the shortcut, like to get it done as quickly and as efficiently as possible doesn't mean that that is the most beneficial for them in that yeah. moment to like. Yeah. Executive learn, functioning, you know, is a process. <laughs> so to kind of like tie this all up, I think it's, it's obvious that women have a lot to gain by the patriarchy being reformed into something new, right? Better pay, equal rights, better balance at home. And like I said at the beginning, like to me, this begs the, and and I, the reason the question that I'm going to ask came up is because, you know, I was typing this, this outro and this conclusion. And I was like, you know, but men also have a lot to gain. Like, right? There's this, this emotional connection with your wife and your children and just feeling more like secure and um, included in your family life and all these things. And that is the idea that kind of sparked my question. And I was like, is it obvious though? Like, do they, do they know that on a deep level? And if they do, is it a chicken and the egg question? Like, would they give up the ace in the hole to have those things? Is it as is it so obvious to them, even on a level that they like won't admit to anybody else, that they have a lot to be to gain if they just like softened to some more 
quote unquote feminine behaviors. And even if it is obvious, are they actually going to do it? Because, because softening to the right to soften to those things and to pick up Put some more outside of their man inside box. the household. Puts them outside of the man box is going to take time away from work, right? They're going to have to like, you're going to have to be home from work on at a consistent time. You're going to have to leave at a consistent time because right. you're in charge of picking up our kids every fucking day. And you nope. can't, you can't pick them up at five minutes to six. I mean, you can <laughs> technically, technically daycare is open, but like you can't bring them home, you know, at 10, and feed them like and homework 6, them 15 and every them. single night. And then, yeah. Yeah, and do all of the things that right. we have to do. And like now we've missed activities, right? But like then you're not, then you're leaving work. At, you're declining meetings that people put on your calendars at the end of the day right. because you can't, because you have to go pick up. It's like, kids. it's like the men have to create a union, you know, against all of the patriarchy. <laughs> a fatherhood a, union. A fatherhood union? <laughs> To be like, I would also like to just leave work at a reasonable time so I can go pick up my children and assist right. with the things that need to get done. I mean, it's, it's like the opposite of the because grass we're is greener doing- on the other side. It's like they know they have a good now and they they probably know that it's also really nice over there. But because they're really confident in this side, they're going to they're going to stay here. And just feel like the consequences on the other side aren't as heavy as the other way. Does that make sense? I know I used a mm-hmm. lot of words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of analogies rolled into one, but I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like looking at it and going, um, it's the difference between like the grass is green on both sides, but the grass on my side of the patriarchy side um, has a hired lawn keeper who comes and like regularly fertilizes and waters and like tends to the grounds and like your grass is green, but <laughs> out of like your own hard work and blood, sweat and, and so, like, I see that they are both green and they look the same and they feel the same, but like you actually have to work really hard and happens just appears it just happens and I love it I don't know I don't know if I can confidently answer it I you know I think like I think on the surface if I were to like ask my husband he'd be like of course of course I would like um you know take take a society that you know, doesn't force me into this man box and gives me like all these other options and like values your invisible work as much as they value my very tangible work. And I think you would be like, of course. But then if I was like, but that means that like you have to take a what is yep. it? A twenty-seven cent pay cut for every Ooh, dollar you make? He'd be like, "Hmm, <laughs> I don't know." He'd be like, well, "Couldn't we just pay women like 
the same. And then somebody be like, sorry, we can't afford to do that as it turns out. <laughs> and then they'd be like, well, yes. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it sounds ridiculous when you put it like that, you know, <laughs> you put it in those terms, but I feel like that is kind of what it comes down to. And I don't know if I can confidently answer. I don't know. Would they give it up? Because I think, I think as, um, as a society, as particularly in American culture, we tend to think that if I get a, if I have to share more of my pie, then like I get, I'm getting a smaller slice of my pie. Right. It's not that we're just like making a bigger pie. That's a great pie. analogy. I love that. No. Oh. oh. Well, it's, it's not mine. Wherever <laughs> you got it from. I'm going to take credit for it anyway, at least in this context, <laughs> the interwebs. All right. So that is it for the patriarchy and the mental load. Yeah. I think we could unpack this for much longer. But thank you all for listening. Welcome to season two. We have some amazing guests lined up and some amazing topics. So if you are a listener, rate and review. It really does help other people find our podcast. And if you could share it with a friend or a or colleague, spouse. that helps this us as well. This episode in particular. <laughs> that it truly, it truly does help us. So rating, reviewing, subscribing all helps us grow and get new listeners and do some really cool things for you. Hey. So. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.